Chapter Sixteen of the Brand of Silence. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. The Brand of Silence by Harrington Strong. Chapter Sixteen. Murk receives a blow. An hour before dinner, Detective Jim Farland suddenly appeared in Sidney Prale's suite at the hotel. "'They're working on me now, Sid,' he said. "'I got a telephone message when I was in the office, "'and the gent at the other end of the line informed me "'that it would be beneficial to my health "'if I immediately ceased having anything to do "'with the Rufus Shepley murder case "'and stopped working for you.' "'Any idea where the message came from?' Prale asked. "'It came from a public pay station in the subway.' I had the call traced immediately, of course. No chance of finding out who sent it, naturally. I doubt whether I'd recognize the voice if I heard it again. Could tell by the way the fellow talked that he was trying to disguise his tones. I told him to go to Blaze's, and he informed me that I was up against something too big for a man to face, or something like that. "'Jim, if there is any danger, I don't want you to work for me,' Sidney Prale said. "'You're married, and a father, and—' "'And that will be about all from you, Sid,' Farland interrupted. "'Think I'm going to let some man who doesn't tell me his name throw a scare into me?' "'But if there is danger—' "'I thrive on danger,' said Jim Farland. "'Think I'm going to desert you at this stage of the game?' That is what they want, of course. If I did, you'd probably hire another detective, and it might be one of their own men, whoever they are. I'm in this game to stay, Sid. First, because you're an old friend of mine, and I think you are being made the victim of some sort of a dirty deal, and also because I'm not the kind of man to be bluffed out of a job. We are going right ahead. I got a note at the office, too. A note, Prale gasped. Typewritten, but not on George Lurton's battered typewriter this time. It remarked that unless I gave up this case, somebody would make things hard for me, or words to that effect. Old stuff. If they are so scared that they send threatening letters, they're whipped right now, and they know it. I had an interesting experience this afternoon, said Prale. The fight? I don't mean that. I met Kate Gilbert in front of the library. She asked me to get a taxicab and drive her through the park. I did it. She begged me to leave New York and remain away, and said that my enemies might not be so harsh if I did. I tried to get her to explain, and she insisted that I knew all there was to know. She left the taxicab and walked to her home. "'I'll have to investigate that girl more thoroughly,' Farland said. "'She is on guard now, as far as I am concerned. "'Does she know Merck by sight?' "'I think not. "'Then here is where Merck gets a steady job for a time,' Jim Farland declared. "'Merck, you go up to Kate Gilbert's home and watch a bit. "'Give him plenty of money, Sid, for expenses.' Just see if she leaves the place, Murk, and if so, where she goes and to whom she talks. 
Get any general information you can. Try to keep her from knowing that you are watching her, but if she finds it out, drop the chase and get back here, and we'll put another shadow on the job. When you are sure that she has decided to remain in her apartment for the night, report back here to Mr. Prale. You watch me, Murk said. I never expected to be caught doing detective work, and I reckon it's something like a disgrace, but this is a sort of special occasion. Prale gave Murk more money in case he would have to engage taxicabs or follow Kate Gilbert where money would be necessary for tips and bribes. "'Your face looks pretty good, but you want to remember that there are some marks on it,' Prale told him. "'It's looked worse, boss,' Murk replied, grinning. "'I'll try to do this thing right.' Murk hurried down in the elevator and went from the hotel. He got a cab immediately and promised that dire things would happen to the chauffeur if he did not get to a certain corner up beside the park in record time. Jim Farland had given him a badge to be used if he was questioned by a police officer, and he was to say that he was an operative attached to Farland's office. Murk discharged the taxi at the proper corner, touched match to cigarette, and walked slowly down the street toward the apartment house where Kate Gilbert lived with her father and her maid. Jim Farland had told him the location of the Gilbert apartment, and Murk saw that the lights in it were burning. It was about time for dinner, he knew. He went to a drug store on the nearest corner and hurried into a telephone booth. He called the apartment house and asked to be connected with the Gilberts. A woman's hoarse voice answered his call, and he guessed that it was the maid speaking. "'Miss Kate Gilbert there?' Murk asked. "'Who is calling, please?' "'Tell her it is about the Prale affair,' Murk replied. "'One moment. I'll call her.' Kate Gilbert's voice came to him over the wire almost immediately. "'Miss Gilbert?' Murk asked. I was to tell you that... And then Murk jerked down the receiver hook and grinned as he put the receiver on it. Kate Gilbert would believe that a careless central girl had cut them off and put an end to the conversation. He had learned what he had wished to learn, that Kate Gilbert was at home. He walked back up the street. All he had to do now was to watch, and if Kate Gilbert left the place follow her. If she did not, Murk would wait half an hour or so after the lights in the apartment were turned out to be sure that she had retired and then would hurry back to the hotel. Murk watched from a distance at first and then went slowly forward, for he did not wish to attract attention by remaining in one position too long. There were few persons on the block, and now and then some automobile or taxicab would discharge a passenger and go on. Murk made his way slowly to the end of the block, always watching the entrance of the apartment house, crossed the street, and started back on the other side. He came in front of a dark passageway between two buildings and went on. And out of the mouth of that dark passageway came a blow that caused Murk to groan once, and topple forward. 
Hands gripped his unconscious body and drew him back into the darkness. End of chapter 16 Recording by Roger Moline